Remain standing if you're able as we read the scripture. It's from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. The word of God for us this morning. You may be seated. People love to fight over stuff. They love to do it. It's something that is built into us. If you don't believe it, take two toddlers and stick one toy between them and sit back and watch. My uh, parents' great-grandson is with us. He's a little bit over two, and his favorite word is mine. Anything that he lays his eyes on, touches, or even thinks about is all of a sudden his. You see, that streak of selfishness is in us from very early on when we're born. It's part of who we are in terms of our flesh. And our nature is to want more for ourselves, more for those close to us, more, 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 and more. Someone in the crowd came to Jesus and asked him to tell his brother to divide the family inheritance with him. This was a matter about stuff. This was a matter about possessions. Now, I have to say, this must be a younger brother, because we know from Scripture and from the parable of the prodigal son that usually the older brother got the whole inheritance. When the father died, he got the bulk of the stuff. And the younger brothers got a lot less. And a lot of times, the older brothers, because they were the older brothers, would tell the younger brothers, you know what, dad died, I've got the, the, the homestead. I'll tell you what, when I die, you can get your part. And what happened was the younger brothers often rebelled against that because they wanted to go out and do their own thing. But it would require the inheritance to be divided up before the older brother passed away. And so what this man was asking was for Jesus to intervene on his behalf because he wanted the stuff. But more than the stuff, he wanted to be able to go and leave his brother's house and do his own thing and do it his own way and not have to follow those rules. He wanted to just get his stuff and go. 
Now, Jesus often got asked questions by the crowd. People often came to ask Jesus questions about all kinds of different things. And it was always interesting to me that Jesus often didn't answer the question that he was asked directly. Because Jesus was able to see a deeper issue in the question than the one that the question addressed. So he was able to perceive that this was not really about this this younger brother or this man asking for justice or equity, that this was more about greed. He responded, friend, who set me to be a judge or an arbiter over you? Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, or as I'd like to put it, in the abundance of stuff. Because possessions tends to be limited to like material stuff. But even our titles, even our achievements, even other things become our stuff. And oftentimes we allow those things to define us. Life, Jesus was saying, is more than stuff. It is more than the search for stuff. It is more than the accumulation of stuff. It is more than the sum of all your stuff, whatever that stuff might be. And greed, the desire for stuff, is something to guard against. Because greed is one way, it's all about my stuff. It's all about me, myself, and I. It's all about what I can get and benefit myself or those closest to me. Greed is always wanting more and thinking that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Have you noticed that? It's always somebody else has more and so you want more. You want what they have. And when you get that, there's always somebody who has more and you want that. And it's a never-ending cycle of seeking stuff. Greed is focusing our lives on the abundance of possessions instead of in the quality of our lives and what our lives mean in the great scheme of things. Jesus knew that telling this man to guard against greed or telling us to just guard against greed would be a message that would go right over our heads that we would hear it and it would go in one ear and go out the other. And so in typical Jesus fashion, he says, let me illustrate for you. Let me give you a parable so you can understand what I'm talking about. A rich man does really well. His farm, his land produces plenty and he runs out of room to store stuff. Have you ever run out of room to store stuff? Be honest. What do we do when we run out of room to store stuff. A trip to Walmart for those divider things is awesome, right? When that's not enough, you get boxes. When boxes are not enough, you get closet expanders. When closet expanders are not enough, you buy a new place that has more room. Does it ever end? No. We pretty much continue to do that. And so this rich man ran out of places to put his stuff. And he said, I'm going to tear down my barns, build bigger ones, getting a new place, so I can store all my stuff. Now, for most of us, this sounds like reasonable advice. 
you run out of space, you get more space. In our way of thinking in the American continent of gathering for retirement and gathering for the future, this makes perfect sense. Who wouldn't want to be prepared for tomorrow, right? We all do that. Anybody not do that? We all do that. We all save a little. We all try to prepare for the future. We all try to put stuff away. It makes sense to us. And if you didn't know the end of the story, by now you're feeling that this could be your financial advisor. He was successful. He's making it well. He's rich. And he's got so much stuff, he doesn't have a place to put it. If your advisor was making so much money and didn't have enough bank accounts to keep it, you'd be like, yeah, that's the one I want. I'm going to sign up with him. He knows what he's doing. And the rich man prepared for this, and he told his soul, relax, eat, drink, and be merry, because we are set for years to come. You ever pat yourself on the back? Go, I did that well. I saved. I'm good. And this rich man was patting himself in the back. He was good. He was set. He had made his preparations. He had enough to put away for years. And he thought, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the fruit of all my work. And again, in the American context, we would say that that's making it. That that's the way you do it. You work hard. You earn it. You enjoy it and live long, hopefully, and, and prosper. Yet in a surprising twist, God tells him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? There's a lot of people that have tried to take what they make with them, but I still have to see a hearse with the U-Haul behind it taking everything with them to the next life. Don't work. You can't take it with you. And notice that what we consider wise and savvy financial advice, sound planning ends up being foolish before God. So was this man being called foolish because he was rich? Was he being called foolish because he built bigger barns? Was he being called foolish because he was successful or because he had plenty? What really makes us foolish before God? Well, the scripture gives us the direction on this. I want you to hear what he says. Because when the rich man talks in this parable, he only talks about himself. Look at it. What should I do for I have no place to store my crops? I will do this. I will pull down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. What makes the man foolish is not his success, his possessions, or even his barns. It is that he was selfish, and it was all about him and what he had and what he was going to enjoy. When we don't understand that God blesses us to be a blessing to others, we are fools. 
Think about that. When we don't understand that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others, we are fools. How many times have we made plans? And they were sound plans. They were wise plans. They were fiscally responsible plans. And then at the tail end of our plans, we turned to God and said, oh, by the way, I've got this great plan you need to get on board with because I've already worked it out and it is great for my life. And please give it your stamp of approval and blessing because I've already laid all the groundwork for you. So, you know, it's just a matter of you saying, yay, and let's go forward. And sometimes even when God says, no, not really, you still go, but it's a good plan, so I'm going to go forward. We plan, and we plan, and we plan, and we bring God in at the tail end. That makes us foolish. When the first place we should go when we plan for our future is always God, because God has our best at heart. He wants the best for us, and he knows better than us what really will be a blessing in our lives. The rich man did not just dismiss God in his planning. He left God out of his future as well. Nowhere in the scripture does he say, I'm going to give this part of my crops to the needy. Nowhere in the scripture does he say, I'm going to honor God with the first fruits of my land. Nowhere in the scripture does he even hint at the fact that he's going to share what God has blessed him with. He left God out of his present and out of his future. And that made him foolish. And part of the problem with greed is that it feeds us the lie that our stuff is going to fulfill us, that our stuff is gonna make us happy, that our stuff is gonna give us security, that our stuff is gonna make our lives meaningful, that our stuff is gonna satisfy all of our needs. When the truth is that only God can accomplish all those things for us in Jesus Christ. It is only Jesus who truly makes our lives meaningful. And it is only he who can satisfy our every need. In declaring the rich man a fool, God said, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? All that work, all that preparation, whose will they be? That reminder is sobering, isn't it? Think about working all your life for something and then you don't get to enjoy the fruit of it because all you did was focus on that. And by the time you got to enjoy it, it was time to go. Jesus reminded this man that stuff is not what it's about. And it's a reminder that we need every single day of our lives. Because scripture somewhere teaches us that we should not be building treasure here on earth, but in heaven where thieves cannot steal and they cannot be corrupted or taken away. I want to tell you that God gave me this scripture at the beginning of July when I did my worship planning. Little did I know that 
we would be experiencing the death of a dear friend and colleague in ministry, Miguel Escobar. Miguel was a consummate evangelist, and one of the things that impressed me about him was that he was always looking for more ways to reach people for Jesus Christ, no matter what. It didn't matter if it affected his schedule or his family life or his current plans. When God called him to go somewhere, he just went. He was so obedient to that call to minister to those who didn't know Jesus Christ. And for Miguel, it was never about himself. It was always about the people that needed Jesus that still didn't have Jesus. And it was about the people that needed to be built up as disciples for Jesus that didn't have a teacher. And it was about making sure that he heard and responded to the call of Jesus to be with those who needed him at that moment. Miguel's ministry leaves a legacy of faith that will not be lost. It leaves a legacy of lives touched. We could not begin to count the amount of people that Miguel, through all the ministries and trips that he did, touched all over the globe. And not only that, but the generational effect of that ministry to other generations because of Christians that he helped to form and to shape in Jesus Christ. When we are gone, what we want is for the legacy of faith that we have lived to go on, to be shared, as I know Miguel's ministry will be shared throughout the world. For his ministry and its lasting effects just can't be measured. A life well lived, a faithful servant called home to rest. One thing that Miguel always had was a sense of urgency. If you met him, you knew it. He always had a sense of urgency about sharing Christ. He didn't put it off. And I think it's something that we need to learn because basically Miguel was the opposite of the rich fool. Not because he was poor, but because he lived for God and in doing so, he was rich in the kingdom of God. Are you rich today? Not in stuff, but are you rich for the kingdom? Are you touching people's lives with the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you sharing of your blessings and of yourself? And are you trying to make a difference for Jesus wherever you go? I think one of the lessons of this scripture is that life is fleeting. We're here one moment and gone the next. And the question is, what will you do with the time you have to make a difference for Jesus? I pray when, when we're gone, someone can look back and say, they loved like Jesus, they gave like Jesus, and they sought to live like Jesus. For that is the legacy of faith that each one of us would want to leave. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you, O oh Lord, because this scripture reminds us that we are to live for you. That stuff is only stuff, and it should be used as a blessing in our lives to others. 
and that we should be tools and vehicles of your grace. We ask you, O Lord, on this day that you will continue to surround Miguel's family with your grace and your comfort, that you'll remind them, O Lord, of the hope that we have of resurrection in Christ. And we just thank you, Lord, on this day for Miguel's ministry, for his service, for all that he did to share the good news of Jesus throughout the world. We ask, O Lord, that you will continue to bring people to those places where he ministered that will continue the work and continue to build disciples for Jesus Christ. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.